my advice is really just be very long-term oriented and find other people that are long-term oriented. I think it gets really dangerous when people surround themselves that are kind of getting caught in the frenzy. You know, we've really been very intentional about the culture we've built at Foundation. It's not a, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a trading venue. It's it's really like people there understand that we're we're building tools for artists and curators and collectors. That digital art is a fundamental, you know, part of the art landscape now. It's probably going to be the fastest growing part of the art landscape. We're committed to that, right? And the market's going to go up and it's going to go down. But every other, you know, every couple of years, you'll see the market just be much bigger. Hello, Kayvon. Hi, Callum. How are you? you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. Super, super excited to, to get to know you and understand a bit more of what you guys are are building on foundation, which is by the way one of my favorite platforms when it when it when we think about user experience and, and all the features. I mean the base of features that you are developing for for artists and creators. Um, now incorporating a couple of things that we'll discuss. So super super happy super happy to have you in the show. Um, so Kayvon, I think a good place to start is with your background, I, I think you you have been doing many many things before foundation in the in the tech world. So can you tell us a bit about that? How, how, a bit about your background and how you got into Web three and, and art. Okay, well, um, Caleb, thank you for having me. Thank you for the kind words. You know, we 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 put a lot of effort and, and care into the user experience. So whenever someone, you know, really appreciates it, especially someone as sophisticated as yourself, um, you know, we really, I really do appreciate that because, um, you know, it, it doesn't come easily to build something like that. It takes a lot of effort um, on our end. And so thank you. In terms of background, um, it depends on how far back you want to go. Um, but I started building um, websites kind of during the first dot-com boom. That was that. That go all the way back then. Um, I was just a, a teenager, mostly in, in, in high school, um, and that's how I kind of got my start in, in programming. I ended up, um, you know, working at Google um, later on after college, um, and I think that's where I really kind of saw the the the, the really the the scale and impact that you can have by building on the internet, um, and that kind of you know, pushed me to want to kind of consistently be on the frontier of technology to to kind of also become an entrepreneur myself. And so, you know, eventually I realized Google was not the the right place to to, to be if you were really wanting to be entrepreneurial. Um, you know, you needed to go into startups. And so I joined a startup called Universe um, after that. And we really, you know, had this big audacious goal of trying to allow people to create with their iPhones. Prior iPhones and mobile phones were really understood as a consumption device. You would consume on it. Um, and, you know, it turned out to be the computer that most people had. And so we weren't satisfied with people being in a consumptive experience. We wanted them to also be in creative experiences, right? Com- computers are really, they're very empowering, right? So you can, you can they, they, they amplify the human mind. And so how do we use the iPhone to, to challenge people to build stuff on the iPhone? And so Universe became a, a website builder. It let anyone with their with their um, 
you know, with their phone, be able to build websites, this really kind of easy to use, but fun and interactive creative tool. Um, and then really what I realized when building that was, well, one, I really enjoyed building something from scratch. It was very challenging. You know, you had to really own, you know, a lot of problems that if you're at a bigger company, you don't even think about how do you bring something to market? How do you grow your user base? How do you iterate? How do you hire? These were all these things that I had previously not appreciated. Um, and then I realized, though, that that even the mobile space wasn't something that I think was was experimental enough. I wanted to push myself to be even more on the frontier. And so I kind of ended up leaving. If Google was the web, you know, and universe I worked at, at on mobile, I pushed myself to go into kind of blockchains. Um, and I think when Ethereum particularly started to gain traction and adoption and, and kind of awareness, you know, the, the DAO hack and um, you know, sort of the events in Ethereum, they pulled my attention and, and this idea that there's a new programming environment, right? And it's built on this kind of shared computer that anyone can can kind of plug into and it's their shared resources. It was all these very new ideas. Um, and I was very captivated, captivated by that. And so I ended up getting involved um, with Nadav who, who started Dharma. Um, and, you know, we ended up working on a, a lending product which was, I think, a really good use case at the beginning of trying to build programs and applications on blockchains, because if blockchains give you money and, and value, you can start to program financial services on top of them. And so, um, you know, I found I found that as a as a pretty exciting first entry into the into the Web3 space. You know, one of the first projects I worked on was kind of collateralizing a crypto kitty NFT and trying to get, create a loan against it. You know, this is in 2017, 2018, so it's really still very, very early. Um, and and then, you know, by the end of 2019, um, you know, it was the last bear market. Um, I really realized that financial applications make a lot of sense, and I was really happy to have worked on it. But it wasn't something I was passionate about in the sense that, um, you know, I really wanted to go back to this idea of of creating creator tools and challenging people to be creative and using technology to be creative. And so that's actually the beginning of foundation, right? So um, the way we saw it is that there was a real new platform being built that would empower creators in new ways. Um, and nobody was doing it the way that we thought we could. Um, and I think you've called out like kind of our attention to detail and user experience, but we really felt like something beautifully designed and really carefully crafted for artists, right, to use and to kind of empower them. That that's that's the idea, and we really started at a very high level, um, and and then we just over the course of 2020 built something that, or and, and figured out how to build something that artists really wanted to use, and then I think you know the the rest is history. Um, yeah. With 2021 being a very you know kind of wild. Um, year where people really realize, wow, there is this new powerful medium. Blockchains are are something that you know they're not just for very technical people or for financial people. That artists and collectors and creators and creative people can can use this new medium to to really support themselves on the internet. So you know that that's really the the my my personal story and personal journey. And and um, you know I hope you can see how different experiences you know, got me to the point where foundation made sense. And I was able to connect ideas that that previously hadn't been connected. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, 
especially from from what you mentioned universe that's kind of a i mean a similar similar uh, use case right for creators it wasn't related to blockchain but but i can see how you were you know experimenting with as you said uh, tools that let people create create stuff right so um yeah i remember i mean we in 2021 that was i mean I, I i got into crypto earlier but into into ethereum and nfts it was early in 2021 and i remember foundation was um i mean everybody wanted to be on foundation and you had this invitation system which i think was very very interesting because it wasn't that hard to get into foundation uh, but you still needed somebody to you know, invite you either a, an artist friend or a, or a collector. Um, can you tell us a bit about that that system that the in the early days? Why why did you build this invitation system, and what were some of the you know the the, the let's say the positive uh, you know the, the the conclusion of that system? Did it help to attract the right creators to the platform? What was the experience with that? Yeah, Kahlo, you're bringing me back because I haven't, I actually haven't taught, this is, this feels like ancient history to me now because, you know, <laughs> we got, we got rid of this system in, in early 2022. Um, you know, for, for us, we were a very small team. So we were about seven people when we launched. Um, and, and so I think the invite system was out of necessity because we, 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 we there was just an enormous amount of demand to get onto the product. Um, you know, the launch had been quite successful. I think NFTs were becoming more and more, um, you know, relevant in the broader, broader mainstream. And so, you know, this, you know, we were one of the, one of the platforms that really took off during that time. And so for us, it was, it was really out of necessity. What, you know, and we had two, two reasons, right? We wanted, um, to give our engineering team the ability to build the system up so that we could offer a good user experience and that needed to happen gradually. Um, and then two, I also think there was a lot of education that needed to happen for people to be successful and to learn how to use the tools. And we couldn't do that all ourselves. And so really what we leaned on was a, was a very decentralized kind of community approach where, you know, we onboarded and, and really helped the first 50, 100 people, you know, learn about wallets, get set up, learn about transactions and, and the blockchain. Right. And then and then from there, we. Um, we really leaned on the community to do that. And and I think you asked, like, did it bring the right people in? And I would tell you, absolutely. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a more vibrant artist community than on foundation. Right. Um, you know, we were able to get a very strong network, you know, because you had to have that connection to the person, you know, we really were able to onboard, you know, a lot of, a lot of excellent people um, mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time. And so, you know, that, that was, you know, it wasn't ex what we didn't we didn't know that was going to happen necessarily because again we did it out of necessity um but you know it was a very decentralized approach to building kind of a curated um sense of community and then i think yeah. you know Kahlo, it, it kind of maps to and we'll probably get into this in the later parts of the conversation but it maps to our more recent products right which is yeah. we've really wanted to continue to we, we've always understood the value of curation and and, and bringing bringing um you know curated work and curated um contexts as a way to really help people focus and for collectors to know you know what's high value or high signal and so 
that was that was something that was you know really important to us and you know we've continued to build products towards that aim yeah exactly that that was my follow up question more of a i think um more recent feature which i'm very very excited about because there aren't um you mentioned worlds right which is I'll let you explain what Wars is, but basically it's a way for curators, right, to to yeah curate curate shows, curate um, exhibitions, and you mentioned that curation is important. Can you tell us why um, you decided to build Worlds, and why is that important for collectors, but also for artists? We really wanted to focus on curation as our core value prop, so. You know, you mentioned the invite system, you know, and why that why that came about. Well, it was because we had a strong desire to, um, you know, build curated context. And so the, the reason why we built Worlds is eventually the invite system that you you mentioned. Well, you know, that wasn't designed for curation. That was really just an onboarding mechanism. And at some point, you know, it became so widespread that it wasn't really doing any sort of real justice to the community. Right. And so we eventually got rid of it. It it wasn't something that was built on the blockchain itself, right? So it didn't have any provenance um, or history attached to it that could be recorded on the blockchain. It was really just something that lived in our database. And so when we really came to the table and said, we still care about this, right? We still want these curated contexts. Well, we asked ourselves, how do we build a tool that lets anyone do that? And how do we ensure that the provenance and history of it belongs on the blockchain, right? And and that's kind of the origins of, of of worlds, which was you know we want you know we want collectors to be able to come into context where someone's really put attention to detail and you know thought about who should be in this world and what work should be sold and how it should be presented and and I think you've seen collectors really respond to those environments, right? I think it's like as Web three's exploded, there's so many things going on at all times. How do you know? where to focus, why, like, right? Yeah. Um, and so building, you know, curated context where the work is really explicitly being curated and a story being told and there's very specific people involved. And then moreover, and I think, you know, this is a part that's probably underappreciated and it'll take time for it to be appreciated is the provenance, the history, the activity is all happening on the blockchain, right? So it's not this kind of like superficial skin or web two feature. It's something that's being baked into the the actual NFTs and and the and the presentation itself and it's all recorded on the blockchain. I think that's really important to us. Yeah, I can see how provenance will be. So for me, for example, um, when I try to research, right, and write articles or uh, you know talk to to other collectors, it it can be very very hard to navigate through the noise, right? And and yes. I can see how provenance and, and worlds are basically built for that uh, to to you know navigate through the noise noise but also if you look back if you look back five if you look into the future people that are new in the space in five years eight years and they want to understand the history that's the best tool possible right because it's on the blockchain it could be um, visualized in many different ways and and so I, I can see how for historians right which is a a very when we think about art, it's a very important you know career historians and, and curators. Um, so these people that are actually telling the stories, I can see how worlds uh, can help with that. And 
Can you tell us a bit about moments um, and the curation fees? How how this works actually work? Can you can you bring on any kind of artists, or you need to talk to them previously and kind of coordinate, and they need to be you know on board into your world? How how does it work exactly? It, it depends on what layer you're talking about. At the blockchain layer, you know the world itself is an NFT. So it's mm. something that the cure, the creator of the world owns and controls. That's a new feature that we've recently released. Um, so it's, it's an actual kind of like, you know, web, native web three object that's in the possession of the creator. And then they, they basically have um, an ability to invite people that have con the ability to sell or list work in the world. Right. Mm. So you're curating kind of artists, And then those artists, right, once they have, once they're granted permission to kind of be part of the world, and again, all of this is on chain, right? So it's, it's a very Web3 native technology. Um, they can come in and they can uh, list, list work in the world, right? And then the curator is able to bring those together into exhibitions, right? And we call that, that moments, right? But that's mm -hmm. really just bringing the work together on a cohesive page where you can tell a story, present it. You know, create a moment in time where people can kind of come and, and really focus on what's being presented to them. Um, and then I think another important aspect of this is the curator is, 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 is able to charge for this, right? So they're part of the primary sale. And I think that's really important because if we want more people to come in and do this work meaningfully, right? And if you look at the traditional world like there's plenty of galleries and, and art dealers and people in that context that come in and offer the service and help build markets and build up artist reputations um they need to charge a fee right they need to be able to charge for, for their work and so i think that's an important thing that we did and i think this is where at the blockchain layer we're doing all of this work for the curator right so that they can just do what they do best which is really working with the artist getting the work position, talking to collectors, marketing and branding it. This is the work that I think they do. And then we handle and make sure that it's just very effortless to get people paid. Artist gets paid, curator gets paid, collector gets the work. It's all done through smart contracts. It's all very high integrity. Um, and it makes it really, you know, powerful. And the way we think about it is, you know, curators now need strong web3 on-chain tools right to do their work and to build the ecosystem into something much more resilient much larger than what we saw in 2021 right right yeah that makes it so you know i take you up much easier i have a, a gallery called the blind gallery uh, yes which yes. runs on the on the tesos blockchain and um yeah the, the, what you're mentioning is just makes it the the job much easier because we, uh, for the gallery, we build our own contracts. Sometimes we integrate with other marketplaces, but the, the, when we build our own contracts, you know, we are a bit scared. It can be, can be dangerous. What if somebody hacks us, right? Or, yep. um, what, what if we messed up the royalties and we, and we, it's on the, on the blockchain, right? So it's very hard to change it. So this way, it's a proof, proof, a tool that has been tested and can be used at a high scale. And and you met, you mentioned our dealers and galleries, and I've seen already multiple galleries uh, creating worlds. And you have this team feature, right, that kind of give control to different team members. So do you see worlds um, with 
So the, the, the question, I guess, is the traditional art market is huge, right? And there are so many galleries in the world. Do you see them kind of using worlds? Is that something that you are excited about? You are looking, looking to onboard traditional galleries? Or is it more like a more for digital native, you know, professionals, art professionals? Well, I think, Carlo, it depends on how you think about the space evolving. Um, you know, and I would I would maybe even turn the question around and ask you because I don't know. I mean, you know, the way I think about it is the product is designed for people that are crypto native, right? So you need to have a wallet. You need to know how to use, you know, you need to know how to get receive payment in ETH. You need to know how to submit transactions. Um, yeah. You know, it, it puts the provenance on chain. It's decentralized. You know, you own it, control it. So for us, you know, those are the value propositions that we're focused on, right? Um, and I think if you, whenever I hear the word traditional, I, you know, honestly, I don't get excited because, you know, if you're going to be a traditional gallery, then I don't think any of these things are going to matter to you. Um, and I don't know why you wouldn't stay to stay being a traditional gallery. Now, that being said, I think digital art is probably going to be the most dynamic, fast growing, you know, lucrative part of the art market for the foreseeable future. And so do I think that many traditional galleries will become modern and develop digital art, you know, components to their business? I would hope so. Um, but in terms of what we're focused on and, and, and really where, where we go is we're focused on people that are, that are native to the technology. Um, right. If you spend too much time thinking about all the ways in which you have to accommodate, you know, old methods, you end up not being able to focus on innovating, right? Because you can't right. push the limits of what of what the platform can do. And so, you know, my opinion is that digital art is probably the, the future of the art market. It's probably where all our growth and development will come from and the innovation. And then I think that, you know, many, many, many galleries, new ones, perhaps old ones will, will evolve, but but new ones will be created. And and you know, my my hope is that and and not not just hope, but my belief is that they'll they'll be built using very strong technology. And I think, you know, what we offer in worlds is a really powerful um it's a really powerful tool, right, for these for yeah. these types of people. And I also think, Kahlo, like it's it's really important for the space to evolve. I think we all saw this in twenty twenty one, but you know, it, the space felt, you know, immature, right? Like it didn't have, it, it, it was a little bit boom and bust. And, mm. and people, you know, there was a lot of artists that were very talented that had no support mechanisms. And I, and I think, you know, creating art and selling art are very different things. Um, some artists want to do that work and, and should do that work if they can and they're empowered to. And on foundation, you can sell directly and most artists do. But what we want to really create is another layer to the ecosystem where, you know, selling art and selling work is its own business, right? And yeah. and people that want to do that and are good at that can come in and have very powerful, you know, on-chain tools to do that. That's a great, a great, great way to put it, actually, because, yeah, there is a lot of pressure, right, for artists to sell and do promote their work. And they, they many are not. They, they just hate to do that, and, and it's understandable, right? So it's great that now it's possible to have these sort of people that are actually looking to sell. They, that's what they like, and they can take artists on their worlds and, and, and help them to, to, you know, get people to see their work. So I think it's a great a great feature. 
But I would like to talk now about another one that you recently announced, and I'm, I'm very excited about as well, which is the partnership with Highlight to, to yep. provide generative art, right? So generative coded art on foundation. Can you tell us a, a bit about this partnership and what it will let people do on foundation? Yes. Um, so our partnership with Highlight, yeah, is, is exciting. I'm glad you're calling it out. Um, you know, it's going to allow creators to bring their highlight collections onto foundation. Um, and then specifically just related to what we talked about, Kyle, is specifically work with curators, right, um, to have those collections be sold in worlds. So collectors will be able to come and actually mint from these generative collections. So, you know, the, the, the generative minting is going to co go through highlight systems. There's a lot of technology that goes into generative minting, right? The algorithm is is yeah. producing the work in real time and every collect collectors generating a unique piece. Um, and it's going into the out, you know, the, the, the collectors providing data into the algorithm to generate the piece. It's all, you know, very compelling. And I think for us, and I think Kylo, you probably know this is like, you know, generative art is a very rich part of the digital art landscape now. And I also think it's one where there's been very strong kind of curatorial brands and, and kind of, um, you know, galleries built, right? And, and so what we're hoping to see, and I think we're, what we believe is that I think generative art just performed phenomenally well throughout the bear market. Um, I think there's an enormous signal in that, which is I think that generative art is clearly, you know, a medium that's, that's very native to what's happening in Web3. Um, and it's probably at the very earliest kind of stages of its explorations and, and possibilities. And so what we're really partnering with Highlight to do is I think they've done a phenomenal job of expanding the toolkit for generative artists. Um, you know, they're offering a lot of new ways to create generative art. They're making it more accessible. They're making it more powerful. They're making it more customizable. We're excited about that. And then what we want to see happen is for those you know, experimental new ways of, of kind of creating generative art, we want to see them, we want to see them brought into cur new curatorial contexts, right? So I think, you know, Artblocks has done a phenomenal job, but I think that's just one model and kind of one vision of the world. Um, you know, through worlds, I'd love to see there be hundreds of kind of visions of, of what, you know, excellent generative art looks like. And I think it'll bring a lot more diversity into the equation. I think it'll bring a lot more experimentation. Um, I think we've already seen this with FX hash on Tezos, right? Like every time you change um, and, and decentralize or, or expand the toolkit, you get much wider outputs. Um, yeah. And so I'm really excited about that. And I also think generative art, a lot of people are already excited about it. I think it's yeah. still very, I think it's still early. I think it's, 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 you know, I think it's still a very hardcore group of people that are into it. And I think more people are going to understand it and learn about it and find a like a passion and interest in it. No, I, I totally agree. I'm actually a big, huge fan of generative art. And, and I agree in terms of feels like the early days. I think we we have been, as you said, kind of been following a framework um, but it's it's changing. It's changing fast in terms of the tools that artists can use to create their art. Um, now we see also explorations between coded art and AI art. 
Um, and, and what I like about worlds is that you can merge all these disciplines, right? Because if you think about our blogs or FX hash, it's hard for the community. So the community is really looking for coded art, right? And, and when, when we see some explorations like working with pre uh, render images, right? Or these sort of, you know, collage that aren't purely coded, coded art, we see some drawbacks, right? So I, I feel like foundation could be this place where people explore um, different things in, in, in a world, right? You can have an AI artist, you can have a generative coded artist. So it really opens the door for more experimentation. Um, and I just mentioned AI art. So what are your thoughts uh, regarding AI art? I've seen many, many artists on foundation um, you know, working with AI, and, and there are many, many very talented artists. What are, what are your thoughts there, Kayvon? So, I mean, I, I, I believe we have probably the largest community of AI artists um, in Web3. So I, I think the answer is obviously we're very <laughs> um, excited. And I think, you know, Calo, if there was one description that I'd want to want you to understand Foundation through is I think because the nature of our tooling is open and expansive and we're constantly pushing it forward i think we attract also the artists that are in that mindset as well and so um you know i think you're aware of our drops tool um but i think that's been the tool of choice for a lot of ai artists now that's distinct from what highlight offers and i think what highlight has is phenomenal because it allows for the coded work to be generated live but for ai artists they're often you know not able to do that right they're not using a predetermined kind of algorithm. They're they're really using um, you know, AI tools that have different properties. And so they've actually, as you mentioned, used kind of curated outputs is what we call it, right? Where they've yeah. you know selected a, a set of imagery that they like out of their kind of um, AI tool, and they've used then drops to kind of release that. And so, you know, we have phenomenal AI artists. You know, I think Claire Silver was one of the earliest that was, you know, established herself on, on foundation. There was, um, uh, you know, we have, we have kind of also a new crop of constant innovators that are on the platform that are, that are new. I don't know if you know, Stefan Baseman or, you know, Infinite Yay, or there's a lot of, a lot of new names in the space that I think are, that are just getting started. And so, very excited about AI art. I think it's already on foundation in a big way. Um, you know, I didn't. I I actually hadn't thought about it the way you had, which is you know the, the powerful thing about where we're going once we support Highlight, which we're announcing, which was which is going live next week, is you'll have AI art and generative art on the same platform. Mm. You know, I think yeah. for the first time in a big way, um, and I think that's our vision of. I think that's our vision of worlds, which I think is. You know, we call it the product worlds because we wanted people to have big visions and big dreams. And I think like, you know, Calo, I'd encourage you to run with this because I actually haven't heard someone really say this concretely. But yeah, doing an AI generative art kind of mixed mishmash, right, where you're really kind of, you know, demonstrating both mediums in parallel or in tandem. I mean, that, that sounds really interesting to me. Right. Yeah, because from what I've seen is um, kind of collectors. They, they pay a lot of attention on the underlying technology uh, on what's where something is minted, right? So now, um, I mean, I, I also saw many artists 
doing generative art on foundation, but it, it was more on the curated way, right? That they selected the outputs from their algorithm outside of foundation. And they minted that work. But now, as you said, they have both options. And yeah, it, it, it looks like a place where you can find AI art and also generative coded art properly on top of all the releases, the different mechanisms that you support, right? Like drops or just minting a, a one-on-one. Um, there is um, another one. So you have, is it serious? So you, you have one-on-one drops and there was something else. Uh, we have, we have additions as well. Additions, yeah, right. Multiple yeah, editions. I mean, I mean Calo, our, our, our vision is that, you know, the vision that we're marching towards is we want creators to have access to whatever tool they need to release their work, right? And, and we're really focused on, you know, any digital artist. And so, you know, we started with one of ones. Um, you know, I think that's where most artists also start. And then we've expanded into additions. You know, you know, I think you're calling it series, but, you know, we call it drops. Um, but those are just kind of long form series, right? Where you take a, a group of kind of related images and you release work. We have that. Um, and then now we're going to have generative series, right? Where you're, you're able to bring a, an algorithm um, and you're able to show that. And then on top of all of that, you can talk to curators, right? And I know that I think you're, you're, you're interested in bringing your gallery to foundation. We're really excited about that. You know, you're not, you're an example of like, you're going to be in the ecosystem. There's already a hundred, already hundreds of other, you know, curators. So you can start to see, you know, the vision we have is this very rich ecosystem where all the tools are there. Right. And this is not to mention also, you can use our tools, you can use manifolds tools, you can use transients tools, you can use highlights tools. Those all work with foundation. And then you can work with, you can either do this all independently. Right. But then what we've also learned is that artists really benefit from finding collaborators to get their, you know, to really partner and market their work and curate the work and contextualize the work. And that's what's happening through worlds. And so all of this is connected. All of this is happening on top of foundation. Um, and we really think as we especially go into this kind of next cycle in the market, I think, you know, what we hope and, and want to see happen is just the most decentralized but vibrant part of the digital art ecosystem is all on foundation. It sounds super exciting, Kevin. And yeah, I'm looking into words because as I told you, running a gallery, only if, only if you have like a huge team, it's a lot of. Uh, work right besides uh, marketing and working with artists the technology aspect can be can be very complex and you know i think you've said this now multiple times but we we make all of that as simple as possible right yeah yeah, exactly exactly you know what i hope and and you know you know calo i really hope that you have this ability to experience it yourself and help write write and explain to others but like we go through a very rigorous design process and ask ourselves you know, is this the simplest version of what curators need, you know, and is it clear and is it secure? So, you know, everything we do is very secure. It's very simple. It's well designed, but then it's powerful, right, at the same time. And that's really what we're doing. Um, and I'm with you. Like, I think that if we want lots of curators to come in and, and really elevate and uplift this digital art system we've built, they're going to need tools to do that work. Yeah, definitely. Oh, super, super exciting, Kevin. I'm, I'm- Really looking forward to trying this new set of features. Um, and yeah, really impressive how you keep developing new things. Um, and that takes me to two questions, which 
you know, are are one is. I mean, it's kind of a fact that the 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 gas, right? Gas on Ethereum, which uh, can be can be expensive at times, but also during the bull markets, right? We we saw crazy expensive gas fees, and now we have seen how, for example, Highlight they have this option to use an L2, which reduces gas tremendously for artists and for collectors. So I wonder, what are your thoughts there in terms of L2s and, and reducing gas for, for artists and collectors? How do you see the whole thing evolving in the future? Do, do, do you think more people and, and mainstream adoption will happen on Ethereum, on the, on the main layer, or you think it will go to an L2 like Base or, or Polygon or one of those optimism? There are so many now. What are, how do you approach L2s? That's a good question. So I think we're, you know, it's something that I think is very dynamic, Allo. So like my answer probably will need to change on a, on a very regular basis. But I think for us, you know, you need, you need to understand what, what is, um, what is, what is happening on these chains. Right. And I think for us, we're focused on digital art and I think provenance is really important for digital art. And, I think the most valuable digital art will still be minted on Ethereum itself. Um, mm -hmm. And I think when we look at what we really care about in this space, you know, it's, it's ensuring that that, that part of the market is being served and, and we're, and we're a part of it. Um, you know, that's our origins. And I think that's where we really, you know, also just care to make sure that the right thing is happening. And we've always been a very important player. I think L2s are important and they matter. I think of them as more of an experimental playgrounds right now. Um, and I think they're an excellent outlet and they push a lot of the experimentation, you know, to their, to their areas. And that, I think that allows artists and, and curators and collectors and everybody to participate. Um, and I'm excited about that. Right. I, I love seeing that in terms of where we're focused right now. It's, it's not a priority for us in the immediate moment. Um, it's something that I think is still, you know, you mentioned a bunch of, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. I think it's, it can be a little confusing. And, and um, you know, I think we will get to the point where we really want to invest in this area. But for now, um, we still think the digital art community, you know, especially for the work that we're wanting to see people kind of release and sell on foundation is, is more on the higher end. And so I think, you know, that looks like, um using ethereum for now yeah no i agree and also there is a, a thing i think uh, about ethereum and paying gas um it's it's kind of yeah it sounds it's more like a premium right like a premium blockchain so if you're wilding it's an art if an artist is wilding to you know pay uh gas an expensive amount it means that he's really putting putting you know effort into his art into building his career and then i think collectors also appreciate that right and and yeah i feel i feel like the gas has made the ethereum in a way uh kind of filter a bit of the of the noise uh thanks to to the gas system of course there are times i remember you know crazy crazy high gas prices i think that that's that's not ideal but you know having certain amount of gas is not it's not the end of the world. Um, 
but yeah, I agree that at some point there there will be there needs to be something happening, but probably it's a few years down the road um, in terms of L2s. And another question I have, Kate, and, and I think I saw a tweet um, from you in your timeline. Um, so it's related to Elon Elon Musk when he he was uh, I think at Joe Rogan's podcast and he was you know mocking NFTs that these images are not even in the blockchain and, and, you know, like they point to an external server. And, but at the same time, I think you pointed out that some are in the, in the blockchain, right? And when we look at the generative coded art, some of it is in the blockchain, but also all these systems that power um, um, these NFTs are decentralized, right? So what are your thoughts on the, yeah, on kind of the debate of, JPEGs being on the on the blockchain or not? Do you think they should be? Do you, you think it doesn't matter? What? How does a foundation approach this this debate? So, I mean, there are issues in the space where people like you know, if if we're discussing you know the idea of storing the image on a private server, that is completely problematic, and I do not support it. So that's one extreme, right? And I think that you know, Elon or whoever is, is right to call out that that makes no sense. Like, what are you doing? And why, like, you know, the, the token might be on the, on the blockchain, but if, if what represents, of what, if what the token is actually mapping to is just on a private server, that's, that's not going to stand the mm -hmm. test of time. And yes, it's probably, you know, useless. On the other end, I also think that people that are rushing to say, well, then everything has to be on the Ethereum blockchain. That doesn't make sense either. Um, because at the end of the day, the Ethereum blockchain is not a storage network. It is not designed to store assets and heavy media and, and provide storage guarantees uh, for that media. And so I, I just think that the, the space is learning how to talk about this stuff, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I, I just, I would encourage people to understand the technology and to have an opinion, but then it's these extremes of it all has to be on the Ethereum blockchain doesn't make sense. Um, I know there are people that like to explore that as a as a way of expressing the work, and that's fine. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but for a lot of media, that's not going to make sense. And then on the other end, um, you, it's completely unacceptable to to sell an NFT and have the have the underlying asset in a private server. And you know, my hope, Callow, is like I don't even think this debate is that relevant. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of the players that were making that mistake are long gone or have changed their ways in terms of where the images mm -hmm. reside. I mean, foundation has always used IPFS since we launched. Right. Um, and I think that's incredibly important. And then I think, um, you know, on top of that, um, you know, we're getting into generative art. And I think one of the things that we actually really like, Kylo, is that highlight took a much more flexible approach. <clears throat> I think a lot of people in the generative art community you know, understand the technology and, and understand the, the dependencies. But I think um, I really like how Highlight approached it, which is, you know, if you want more experimentation and flexibility with the tooling, Ethereum isn't, isn't designed to be a storage layer, right? You can only have, you know, very limited amounts of storage um, in, in a smart contract. And so they've really pushed to use Arweave and kind of other decentralized storage layers to kind of amplify what they're doing and i think that's very powerful i mean um and i think it's going to really allow the generative art space to expand and, and, and find new 
kind of um, you know find find new interesting ways to express the medium. Yeah, that's that's the case of FX hash and Tesos, right? So it's not on the blockchain, and then artists have much more flexibility, right, in terms of size and storage capacities, um, the the libraries they can use, and, and so that opened the door for a lot of things that couldn't have been done on uh, something like our blocks, which is on the on the blockchain. Everything has to be on the blockchain. So that's an interesting proposition, and Dave, and I think it's it's amazing everything you 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 have been mentioning and the vision of foundation. But I would like to maybe look forward right into into the future because um you know foundation uh, I think uh, the 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 slogan is the foundation of Web three right and I think the mission is to empower creators and so far I think most uh, of the the creators on foundation are artists, right? It's kind of what we call art. But there are many more things that can be done um, on chain, right? There are many kinds of creators like musicians, podcasters, writers, um, so many things. And I wonder, how do you see the future of foundation? Do you think you will uh, at some point start to tackle those areas or you see completely focus on art? Or it will depend on the demand. What what are what are your thoughts there on the kinds of creations that will be supported by foundation? I mean, I think it's important, Callow, that you're focused. I think and, and you know, you mentioned these other, you know, types of creators. And I think the thing I would just say is um you're right, the call out that I think Web3 will support lots of types of creators. I think for us, we're really focused on digital art. Um you know, I think there are other platforms out there that are focused on music and and writing and and you know, it's not to say that we wouldn't be interested in supporting them maybe at some point or mm-hmm. you know, I will say a lot of musicians are also visual artists, but I yeah. I think for us, you know, there's two things, which is I think you need to focus. I think if we go build products that are really generalized, you end up not really building something powerful and and really kind of specific that helps somebody, it helps nobody. Um, and then I also think digital art is the, is the, it is the medium that I think has product market fit with web three and blockchain. So I think some of these other areas are still being explored and they still are, um, being understood. And, and I think for us, you know, I mean, the reason why Kylo, we're getting, we're getting into generative art is like, we are expanding what's happening on foundation, but we're, we're also, we're, we're expanding where we think digital art is going. Right. And the future of digital art. And so I think your discussion of AI and generative art, I mean, that's where I think we really get excited because we see artists really using those tools. Um, These other areas that you mentioned, you know, like gaming or what have you, it's like if the tools work for you and you're excited to do something with us, that's great. But I also think like we want to be focused. Right. And I think for us, we're focused on on digital art. Um, And that that'll probably be true for the foreseeable future. No, that that makes total sense. I'm also, you know, you see a possibility there, um, but uh, that's also not something that, you know, I I I see the, the it's way different, right? To mean a podcast episode or an article, right? And 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 the collectors are completely different from that kind of, um, yeah, uh, elements. And also, as you said, product market fit isn't there for these other areas at least yet um and and yeah that word that that phrase it it 
kind of reminds me that you are uh, an entrepreneur, right? And and you have been through a lot with foundation and Web three. And I cannot I cannot you know leave the show without asking you what are some I mean first the challenges the biggest challenges for a, a a founder in this space, in the Web3 space and blockchain space, and also advice. What advice would you give um, founders and creators, somebody that maybe is like you that wants to be build tools for creators in the blockchain? I think the hardest, you know, the, the hardest part about operating in the Web3 space is how cyclical it is. Um, because, and, and I'll, I'll describe my journey a little bit, which is, you know, 2020, we start the company. And nobody really cares, right? Artists are not that interested in, in using the blockchain, and it's it's pretty, um, you know, you know, it, we're really we're really out there um, on the frontier, and not a lot of people are are interested. All of a sudden, twenty twenty one, everybody's interested, right? And it's it's complete kind of chaos, and and there's a lot of impatience and frustration, and you know, desire to kind of just get get rich quick. And then, mm. and then obviously we go back to then, you know, once the market kind of calms down, you know, lots of people leave and, and it's kind of everyone gets dejected again and, and they're less interested. And, and I, I think like, you know, to be an entrepreneur in this space is really to kind of step away from these um, sort of cyclical movements and be long-term focused. And so I think it doesn't really matter if you're an entrepreneur or creator or collector any of these archetypes, you have to go, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to have a long-term vision for what you're doing because yeah. you can't time the market. The market's going to go up. The market's going to go down. It's not, it's really not signal in, in, in any way that's giving you like kind of grounding. Like people thought they were geniuses, you know, two years ago and now they think they're total failures and, and yeah. that's too volatile to kind of make pro progress. So, you know, my advice is, I think you know building during the the bear market's probably the best time. Um, it's it's really where you're going to connect with what what you're trying to do and really understand it and be be very disciplined about it. Um, and then during the bull, it's like you have to be pretty. You also have to be disciplined in a different way, which is you know probably things are going to happen that you actually had very little to do with, and you can't get too um, confident or mm. too arrogant, you know, it'll, it'll really kind of come back to, to bite you. So that, that's really the challenge I think of working in the space. And then if my, my advice is really just be very long-term oriented and find other people that are long-term oriented. I think it gets really dangerous when people surround themselves that are kind of getting caught in the frenzy. You know, mm. we've really been very intentional about the culture we've built at foundation. It's not a, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a trading venue. It's it's really like people there understand that we're we're building tools for artists and curators and collectors. That digital art is a fundamental, you know, part of the art landscape now. It's probably going to be the fastest growing part of the art landscape. You know, and we're committed. Um, we're committed to that, right? And the market's going to go up and it's going to go down. But every year, every other, you know, every couple of years, you'll see the market just be much bigger. And, you know, Kala, I'll remind you is like when I first started the company, I think like less than a million dollars of digital art was sold. Right. So yeah. it, there really was no market to begin with. And so people often now say we're in a bear market, but that market's <laughs> like 
a hundred times bigger than than what was there originally. And so I think that's going to be true in the next three, four, five, ten years. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, great advice. I think it applies, as you said, not only for founders, also for artists and collectors, as you said. So Not just for entrepreneurs. It's also for, yeah. you know, I think of artists and curators and, you know, even yourself, Carlo, like, you know, with the gallery and everything, like, you know, yeah, this is the advice I'd give to you, which is you can't just start the gallery and expect it to work right away. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to build relationships and credibility and, and you know, build an eye. And, and these things are they're not overnight. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic feedback. And Kevin, we, we have been talking almost for an hour. And I like to ask all the guests in the podcast who are three artists that inspire you. I know you are in a tough position because you see a lot of art, a lot of artists. Uh, but yeah, I would love to hear three names of artists that inspire you. Oof, that's very challenging. Um, <laughs> that's that's very challenging because I, I really do see a lot. I don't know if I would limit it to three and I didn't, I wouldn't want people to think that these three are, are the only three. Cause I, I actually, you're right, Cal. Like I have a pretty, I have a, I, I'm pretty privileged in that I'm I'm seeing hundreds of artists all the time and, and watching them. But you know, Jeremy Booth is somebody that I've that I have enormous respect for. Um, just in you know how innovative he's been in the space and and really kind of um, also now building Western Art Department, which I which I which is a world on foundation that I have a lot of respect for. Right, not just building his own career, but getting other artists the support they need. I've, I've always respected that. Um, you know, there's Yatreda from Ethiopia. You know, Kia has done an amazing job um, building something from scratch, right? Using the technology natively from day one um, and really building something for herself. She's always really, really impressed me. And then, you know, um, Zach Lieberman, from you know is really just an og digital artist you know very early to foundation one of the first 50 artists we onboarded um and i just think that he's really gone on to you know generative art now is all the rage but i think you know a lot of these people that are ogs that have been doing this for decades prior i mean they always deserve their flowers because you know they didn't they didn't just come in and chase a market right um zach's been yeah. doing you know been doing deep work in this field for for decades and so again i i i want to call out that Kalo, like i don't it's not these artists in yeah. it's not just these are my three artists i'm actually just trying to pick out people that i think have really exemplified values that we're excited about so like you know with jeremy it's like being dedicated to the space but then also building venues and and thinking about the broader community and like He's been able to build Western art into a whole category in Web3. He deserves a lot of respect for that. I think Kia and Yotreda coming in, you know, from Ethiopia, building something from scratch, you know, building something very Web3 native that's kind of very deeply powerful, like, you know, preserving Ethiopian lore and history on the blockchain, very powerful. Um, and then I think people like Zach that have just been in the digital art space for decades prior and you know yeah. evolving with the space embracing the technology but bringing their craft and years and years of experience um you know i think a lot of people come in and are very very short-sighted they're very impatient 
you know, if you think about the people that are really succeeding, these are people that have been pushing themselves for a long time. So, um, you know, people like Zach really deserve, deserve a lot of, a lot of credit. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's my point, which is I could go on and on. (laughs) I, I, I really, an amazing part of my job is, is the fact that I'm exposed to and get to interact with so many artists, um, and members of the community. And, and I could give you even more, um, you know, even more names I could go on and on and on, but those are three that kind of highlight really interesting values yeah. to me. No, those are great names. Actually, Zach, um, I had the chance to listen to, to him in a talk in Mexico city and you're right. He, he, the way how he explains his, his craft and his career. And he was mentioning how he got started, how he received early support. Um, actually, in Madrid, uh, here in Spain, from an institution that that allowed him to, you know, continue to explore without focusing so much on the on the sales. And he recently had um, a couple of so some advice for artists, right, to find ways to continue to experiment and not only, uh, you know, go into a framework, right, like releasing generative art. And that's the only, I mean, releasing generative art, yes, but not only like this framework of 100, 200 automatic pieces, right? To explore different things, uh, build communities, do a, uh, help others through teaching, right? Create courses to help other artists. And so he had a very, very interesting point of view. And what about worlds um, that inspire you, Avon? I know it's a, there will be many, many more wars coming, but for those listeners that are interested in exploring wars, what are some of the best wars out there on foundation already? Well, you know, I mentioned this before, but I think Western Art Department has done a phenomenal job um, bringing together, um, you know, really like a community, right? Building a, a genre within Web3, building that community, bringing wonderful work together. I think Western Art Department's amazing. Um, my hope is that people are excited about forever projects. Forever projects is, is a, is a gallery that we've built at foundation ourselves. So we're using the product just as anyone else would. Um, and we've been doing a lot of releases through, through forever. And then, um, I think from there, there's just a lot of different community initiatives. I mean, I think what space world has been able to do, um, has been really wonderful. I think GM world. Um, has been able to take a lot of, um, you know, up and coming artists and, and create a space for them and, and really be very well curated. Um, you know, Super Chief is out there kind of constantly, you know, bringing people yeah. together, IRL. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to really appreciate out there. Um, and it's really, um, you know, it, it, that, I think that's the vision of Worlds, which is it really is meant to you know, you might not be into Western art, you might be into generative art, you might be into AI art, you know, there's different worlds out there for all these different kind of categories. And then within them, there's just a lot of really great curation. So, you know, those are the few that I'd I'd, I'd highlight, but I'd really encourage people to go out there and explore which ones really kind of inspire them. Awesome. Yeah, for everybody listening, all these uh, worlds, artists, collections that we mentioned are in the, will be in the podcast description of the of the show so you can easily find all these links and Kayvon it's, it's been a pleasure thanks so much for taking the time and, and 
for building this amazing, amazing tool, tool set for artists, collectors, and curators. Thanks so much. Yes, Calo, thank you.